Welcome to Chaintech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain. From early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chantech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry, from the Global Supply Chain Council. And I'm joined today by actually two co-hosts uh, joining us. So maybe quickly, Shandan and Sandeep, can you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, my hey, name is Sandeep uh, Chatterjee. I work uh, as a director with Deloitte, uh, primarily take care of the supply chain engagements in Southeast Asia. Hi, I'm Chandan Bezod of India, and uh, I'm a freelance consultant with uh, Nordic Knowledge Partners. And uh, uh, it's good to be here, I would, uh, you know, for a discussion. Audio, Thanks again for joining us for this new episode of Chantech as we continue to host some of the most interesting and exciting Chantech founders and discuss the quick rise of supply chain logistics and procurement technology across the APAC region. So as we, I'm going to start the discussion with Ivo, our guest today, I just want to also remind you quickly about on Chantech.net platform, where you can actually search for solution in the field of supply chain. And also, if you're interested to hear about, you know, uh, and listen to a previous episode, uh, you can just go to Chantech.show. So let me bring on our guest today. I'm very pleased to have Ivo Verger, Verhag. I'm thinking I'm not pronouncing your name properly. <laughs> Sorry, Ivo. No uh, worries, Max. You have a co-founder and CEO of Powerhouse AI, and you're based in Singapore. How are you doing, Ivo? Yeah, very good. Thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me, Max. It's uh, great to be here with uh, with uh, with all of you, and okay. looking forward to a great discussion. Yeah, sure. So let's start with your background. We always start with that at our at your interview. Can you share with us where you come from? How do you get started? Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, let's start way back when you were a child yeah. or student. Uh, and understand, you know, where you grow up, what, what did you study, and how did you get into your, your career? Yeah? yeah, definitely. So I'm originally from uh, the Netherlands. I grew up in a small town called Helden, about 6,000 people close to the German border, also close to a, like a major distribution hub called uh, Venlo. Uh, there I lived for my first 18 years, I think it was. Then I moved to Rotterdam uh, to study at the Erasmus University. Um, background in international economics uh, and after that started my first business actually on the side which was not in a supply chain sector it was something very different which was a platform uh, for housekeeping called Noble Hive for people um, giving them easy access to, to quality and flexible housekeeping services. Um, fast forwarding a little bit uh, in between I had a couple of other, other jobs as a manager of an incubator I worked as a consultant and about a year and a half ago, I participated in a program called Entrepreneur First. Uh, and EF uh, is originally London-based, but they also have a branch here in Singapore. And they, they, brought, me, uh, they brought me here. So that's also uh, one of the reasons why I moved to Singapore. Uh, and uh, during the program, I met my co-founder, Kushal. 
who is a CTO at Powerhouse AI. Um, and that's also where Powerhouse AI got, got founded, so about a year and a half ago. How did you come up with the idea of founding this company? Yeah, so Kushal has a background in, in robotics uh, and a background in, in AI and computer vision. Uh, and one of the core conclusions he had from working for a robotics company for many years is that for many warehouses, uh, robotics is either too expensive or not flexible enough yet to take over all the complexities of all warehouse processes. Um, and that's that's why we started thinking, okay, what if we make people better? What if we augment people with like robotic grade technology, like for example, artificial intelligence? And we started to have a lot of chats with people within the warehousing sector, supply chain sector. And we found that especially if you look at like inventory counting, inventory checking, still a very, very manual job where the technology, where the background that we have could, could potentially add a lot of uh, value. So if you could summarize in just one sentence what your company is doing, what will it be? Yeah. Um, we support warehouses to get their inventory right in the fastest possible way. Okay. Sandeep, Shandai, yeah. you guys so, want to uh, jump in? Yeah. Yeah. If you can uh, look at it, I understand that you are into warehousing, uh, uh, so providing solutions uh, uh, using AI. So if you can talk about a few customer problems and how this helped, it will be actually, mm-hmm. it will help us understand it's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll sketch uh, just very briefly what the product exactly does, um, mm-hmm. because we indeed support warehouses to get their inventory right, but a little bit on the house so the listeners know what, what we exactly do. So we have built an application with which the warehouse operators um, can take pictures of their inventory. That could be pallets, that could be goods on shelves, that could be boxes. And from these pictures, we deduce what's in that picture, so what goods we have, and we count also um, how many good, uh, goods there are, even the goods that aren't visible. Like without going too technical, maybe we can get there later. We create some kind of a 3D model to determine what, what, uh, like how many boxes are on a pallet or on a shelf. Um, and as a third step, uh, we also do your discrepancy analysis. So that's in very short um, uh, what, what we are doing. With respect to customer problems, um, I think there are two core problems that we focus on. So if you look at like stock takes, if you look at cycle counts or inbound uh, or even outbound, there's inventory checks happening all the time, all the time. Um, But it's currently very manual. So an average warehouse operator spends about, let's say, 15% of their time counting and checking boxes. So not moving them, but actually counting and checking them. Um, So that's one productivity, uh, productivity issue. And secondly, if you look at like globally, the inventory accuracy of an average warehouse and this number really surprised me as well. It's like, it's around 66%. So the accuracy on average is, is not that high. And there is quite a lot of time being spent on inventory checks. So those are the two core problems that we focused on. Yeah, uh, you know, actually, uh, there's one more uh, question I would like to ask after Sandeep. Uh, if you're talking about the 3D model being built on, uh, you know, uh, AI, can you identify the product itself instead of the uh, boxes wherein, you know, you can identify mm-hmm. these are the number of products that is there in the inventory? Is it possible? Yeah, so we, we, we use three different ways to identify the product. 
so of course your barcode scanning or QR code scanning. But if that's not if if there is if a product is not labeled specifically, for example, at inbound that it happens regularly, we can also read like text on a box and determine okay, like we have product X because we have just read that, or we deduce like expiry dates or other like master data from reading the text, even if the label is not not there. Does it answer your question, Shamnat? Yeah, no, the, more on specific, like if the product is like, uh, you know, uh, the needle, it's a product is like, uh, you know, scale. Uh, can you identify it's a scale, it's a needle in that level of AI? Ah, okay. Uh, we want to go there. At this moment, we are not there yet. It's an extremely challenging space already. Like this is literally state of the art technology. Uh, and we start with boxes because most warehouses handle boxes. Um, but we we hear a lot of questions also from clients who say, yeah, we'd li- actually like to recognize um, more products than just boxes. Uh, I, I, ideally, like individual pieces on a roadmap, but we are not we are not there yet. So, yeah. Ivo, companies are using WMS solutions. I mean, the, the larger players, they have you know barcode scanning, they have RFID. Yep. There are a lot of technology out there which allows you to improve your inventory, uh, you know, uh, management and, and, and accuracy. Why why do companies need a solution like Powerhouse AI? Mm-hmm, definitely. If you look at RFID uh, at this moment, like the issue there is you need to label each of your products or your boxes. We don't require that. So you you you, you just make a picture and we can and we can tell you what it is and how many. So that that's that's a big improvement. So it, like it saves the cost of the labels, but mainly it saves the labor of actually labeling uh, your your products. Okay, so you taking pictures? How how do you do it? You using drones or a robot has to go and 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 stand mm-hmm. in front of a, of, of a shelf? How does that work? Yeah. Uh, we actually use a device that uh, every warehouse worker is very familiar with. So uh, that's that's like a mobile phone. It could also be like a warehouse device with a sufficiently good camera. But it, it's actually just you, you take pictures as if you were taking pictures, you know, from 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 whatever. Um, so you just take a picture of your pallet, and that's that's pretty much what's what's required. Okay, so that's done at pallet level, right? You cannot take a photo of the entire rack of you, you know, of you alley of of you know. With, which is stuck up with uh, with pallets. It's it's done mm-hmm. at only a pallet level for now, yeah. Pallet level or shelf level. So we have uh, we have worked with a uh, with a famous retailer for a while, and they had everything boxes on shelves. So that also works. So it doesn't necessarily need to be stuck on the pallet. Okay, Sandy. Uh, yeah, Shannon? let's uh, talk a bit about your company. Uh, uh, again, talking about competition. Uh, there are a lot of startups, a lot of companies which are doing something uh, very similar. So how do you differentiate? I know this is a space which is ever mm-hmm. growing, but still, what are your yep. differentiating factors? Uh, yep. where you are? Yeah, definitely. definitely. So if we look at like our, our core competitors or we, what we consider as being our core competitors are, of course, barcode scanners like the uh, like incumbents, uh, but also like robots and drones. And we see like a most most new startups focus on the robot or drone form factor. Uh, a couple of things how we differentiate most of those um, most of those competitors, they, they actually don't take the step to count. So they just scan a barcode and say, is the right product in the right location? But for most warehouses, they pick on a carton level 
or even at a lower level, peace level. So you actually need to come. You need to determine is the right product at the right location in the right quantity. And we are taking that first step to get there. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's the first differentiator. Secondly is flexibility. So drones are made to fly in between your racks. They don't work in your staging area, for example, which is constantly changing. A mobile phone you can take anywhere. So you could use it inbound, but you could also use in between your in between your racking, like in a storage area. And thirdly, it's asset light, right? It's 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 a phone, um, and that that also lowers the uh, lowers the initial investment. And we 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 aim with that to make technology like this accessible to a wider range of warehouses and provide them with the opportunity to take a big step uh, towards their digital future. And if I have to understand your uh, thing is you take a photograph on your mobile and does it get connected to a, a some uh, on this cloud or how is it like, how is mm-hmm. it hosted? Ah, yes. So, uh, so a little bit on indeed the technology that we have. So yes, big part of the model runs in the cloud. So yeah, that means um, you take a picture uh, and we send it to our, to our cloud. Uh, we, we process it. Uh, and we give you the answer back on the uh, back on the mobile phone. Why don't we do that on a mobile phone? Because it's it's really quite a heavy model, uh, and it would literally drain the battery, or it would like reach the limits of the phone. So that's why we do it uh, do it at our own with our own servers uh, in uh, in the cloud. Let me ask and you. do you integrate? Yeah, uh, sorry on that. And just to extend that question, do you also integrate with WMS? So when you actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yes, we can integrate with the WMS. Um, so that the, you can run the program in two different ways or the app. You can either integrate it or you can use it on a standalone basis, depending okay. on your personal preferences. Yeah, Shannon. Just uh, on a question, you know, the rather uh, different one. I, I see profile you as an economist uh, from, you know, uh, from banker banking profession than economists and then come to a, a logistics side of this because I happen to have a, one more person who's the same kind of a process who comes into logistics. I, I really find it amazing because you know earlier I don't see anyone coming into this profession as a logistic or going into warehouse mm-hmm. kind of operation from finance. So what made you uh, uh, think yeah. in that direction? Yeah, so indeed, I'm from a different sector. But on the other hand, I've always had a relatively um, generalistic role. So I've I've always been active with, you know, like consultancy, process improvement, um, technology implementations, uh, for example. So in that sense, it is very much in line with what I'm what I'm currently doing. I think what make what makes warehousing and supply chain in general very interesting to me is that it is one of the sectors with the highest potential for digitalization and improvement. And I think that's that's really, really appealing uh, to me. You're right. Uh, as you said, you know, the, it's, a, it's all about the finance, right? And that's how you manage the whole world. It's a cost which is being managed. It's a cost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there's so much improvement possible. And that, that's that's really exciting. Do you uh, uh, find a lot of responses uh, that you get nowadays or how, how do you uh, see yourself in the next couple of years? Like responses, you mean like if there is a lot of interest at this moment or uh, or do I understand it wrongly? 
No, you, your uh, the response for your uh, AI, the software, and also the demand which you which you're currently getting. Ah, uh, yes. No, for sure, for sure. And um, so we are working with a couple of uh, at this moment with a couple of like uh, large multinational companies. Um, really, yes, super exciting, uh, super exciting journey. And we we get apart from like uh, we do a lot of direct reach out. Like in general, uh, replies are really quite positive. Um, but for for a starting company, it's always the challenge. Like, okay, wh- when do you get to a point that people also find you? And uh, I think that's also an additional validation that you're solving a problem that's relevant. And we we do get on a more and more regular basis, actually companies reaching out to to me or to my co-founder, like, hey, this is an interesting, eh? you have an interesting solution. Can we, can we chat? Can we see if we are the right fit for your unique uh, warehouse situation? So I think those are only really, really amazing signs that, that, that we are solving something relevant. And Evo, who are your best fit customers right now? Are you targeting uh, the retailers, the free PLs, uh, people who actually operate their own warehouse, or maybe mm-hmm. they outsource it? You know, can you can you share with us what's your your best customer mm-hmm. profile? Yeah, so we uh, t- 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 two parts. So indeed, like the three PL three uh, PL players, um, but also uh, FMCG sector, for example. Uh, so, or companies that do deploy or do need warehousing within their supply chain. Um, we actually segment as well on some other factors. So we target the mid to large size warehouses. Why? Because they're often a little bit better organized than the, than the very small warehouses. They have their WMSs in place. They have some kind of data foundation that we build, build upon. Um, so that, that's important. And another selection criteria for us are like segmentation criteria is at what level do they pick their goods so if a sizable uh, amount of their warehouse if they are picking on a carton level or higher so carton or pallet level then we are a good fit if they only pick at piece level that means you need to count pieces then we might not be the best fit for stock take or cycle count we might be a good fit for inbound uh, there so and like mm. th- these are kind of the the things that we look at to see if we are a good fit for for the customer at this moment with our current uh, technology. A medium sized warehouse, how, how big will it be for you uh, in terms of warehouse space? Yeah, like a couple of thousand square meters. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yes, and uh, that, and then after we go back. Yes, and DPA, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about something about a company like when you started. Uh, uh, did you uh, have a bootstrap kind of a model or did you raise capital? And if you have raised capital, what is your current funding stage? Yeah, exactly. So we were, we were in that sense fortunate to be, to be part of Entrepreneur First. So when we, uh, and we, we successfully completed the program, which meant that at incorporation, they were our first investor. Um, uh, and the investment size was relatively small, but actually did give us uh, did give us sufficient funds to to kickstart the company. Um, then towards the end of the year, we also became part of Y Combinator, um, uh, like great community. Very fortunate to be part of. I think it's extremely valuable for for startups to be part of that. So they became a sizable investor. And apart from that, we have multiple multiple other investors, either angels, but also an American publicly listed company. Um, with respect to uh, um, a funding stage, we are at this moment at the at the seed stage. 
Yeah, do, uh, do you think uh, this is a scalable uh, model, uh, you know, because there's a lot of things which is coming in, like, as I said earlier, uh, there is something called wearable, which, you know, you just have to uh, wear, a, uh, you know, there's, there's something like which you can just look at it and you get the inventory counted. And that is mm -hmm. integrated with existing uh, WMS systems, wherein you get the count. Yeah. 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 And also, I would like to ask you whether can you uh, get this data into an analytics point of view? Like, if I want to run uh, analytics on the inventory model, how do I get your data into uh, my existing uh, systems? So there's two ways we can integrate with your WMS and then we just push the data in your WMS and then you can do whatever, uh, whatever you want with the data. Second uh, um, possibility is if you don't want to integrate or you want to take it step by step is you use the solution as standalone. How do you get your data then? And you get it in an Excel sheet uh, and you can either upload that Excel sheet into your WMS or connect it to Power BI or Tableau or whatever analytics suite you're using. Okay, and so uh, we touched upon the uh, the money uh, issue. I would like to ask you how you actually how do you make money? How what is your uh, you know pricing model mm -hmm. within uh, Powerhouse AI? How do you charge customers? Yeah, yeah. So uh, our pricing has two two different components. So that's a one off at the start for for implementation. And secondly, um, uh, our second component is a uh, like a standard SaaS model, so software as a service, so you pay per user per month. So with respect to pricing, um, uh, this really depends on the customer situation. So there are a couple of factors that we look at. So first of all, do you need an integration or connection with your WMS? Uh, that's, that's one factor. Secondly, uh, of course, like the volume of users is a factor. Thirdly, um, does the client have specific requirements with respect to, with respect to um, application workflow, for example, or do they want a feature that we don't have yet? Um, that could also uh, contribute to to the price. So th these are like the, the the biggest biggest components that we look at when we when we make a quote. So for setup fee, how much are you are you typically looking at? I mean, it it varies. Can you give us a it range? It varies a lot. Yeah, it it, yeah. it really it, it it can vary a lot. So it, it depends very much as well, like how much customization is needed, okay. um, or if it's used out of the box. Yeah. Is is it hard for you to convince those companies, which you know, uh, you say you are you talking to free PLs mm -hmm. and FMCG to actually go ahead and and pay upfront for something which are uh, you know, could be untested and uh, they're not sure of the ROI yet? Yeah, we, we do understand that seeing is believing. Um, okay. So also with like, uh, so we're working with a multinational FMCG player at the moment. Um, so there we start with a pilot. Um, uh, and that's that, that's a great great way for, for an organization to, to actually learn like okay how much value can it actually uh, can it actually offer and for us it's also a great way to, to learn more about their use case yeah. so that they can make an informed decision okay Sandeep yeah so uh, coming to your company again uh, how big is your company how many employees uh, yep. how many engineers is the team global if you can talk about yeah. it. Yeah, so at this moment, we are six people. 
uh, five people in technology and one people, one person in business. That's me. Uh, within the technology team, we have, uh, in that sense, two core competencies. So um, we have computer vision engineers and Android developers. Um, and at this moment, we're also looking for three people, uh, three three additional roles. Um, so if there are any engineers listening, either computer vision or backend slash Python, uh, that's those are three roles that we are we are looking for uh, at the moment. So feel free to reach out. And uh, where are your customers based out of? In Singapore or abroad, or how is it? Um, at this moment, uh, Singapore, and we are also about to start with a top three three PL player uh, in the Netherlands. Okay, all right. So yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Shandan. So just uh, one more uh, on, uh, on your, uh, the percentage of uh, accuracy uh, which you uh, said, uh, 97 percentage is like, you know, it's a kind of accuracy that I would love to work with basically. So uh, mm-hmm. do, do you think uh, you can even uh, get uh, into error free uh, uh, because I, I mean with uh, wearable, I think they're uh, clocking into 100%. So I, I guess... Mm-hmm. This is where the whole uh, the 3% is coming into play. Do you think it can reach 100% with your... Uh... Um, okay, can it reach 100.0%? Um, probably not, but persons or people are also not 100% accuracy. And that's, that's kind of a thing that uh, if, if we're looking at what challenges are we facing, um, is that... Uh, a lot of um, a lot of people when they first hear about the technology, they uh, they truly believe that the people on the ground are 100% accurate. But if you actually look at the data, on average, it's between 90 and 97% accurate accuracy, where the most well trained are more towards the higher bound, and 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 like the the less well trained warehouse workers or like the more complex type of environments like go down around that scale. So. Will, will we be reaching 100%? Probably not. Will we be going higher than 97%? Yes, for sure. And, and that's also I like the more the application is used, um, uh, the, the more accurate uh, it will get. In that sense, you can see AI as, as a, a little bit like a new employee, so to say, um, that never gets tired, uh, but that will like constantly keep on learning and keep on getting better. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right, hundred percent. Because uh, as I told you, uh, any uh, physical innovation, physical inventory, which uh, manual done is, it's the errors are more than what we saw in our variable basically. So variable mm-hmm. has reduced it mm-hmm. drastically uh, the percentage of errors. So uh, yeah. I do believe uh, there is a huge uh, market uh, for the product that you're building. So uh, anything that uh, your investment uh, strategy that you can uh, advise? I'm not sure if I understand the uh, question correctly, uh, Shama. Uh, the investment, uh, uh, how are you going to build up? It's in a rapid mode or is, it is in uh, you know slow and uh, kind of uh, need-based? Uh, okay, okay. No, definitely our aim to, uh, to grow, uh, to go quick. Um, so at this moment, at POC, like we are, we are working with several companies on a POC. There will also be um, uh, like a major 3PL who will we'll be using it in production in a couple of weeks. Um, so our first first year, uh, it's really about like 
building the building the application, getting it to a level that it that it is like ready for production. So uh, like from a business perspective, it's a little slower. It's very technology heavy. Um, and uh, in the coming one to two years, uh, we we uh, we expect that to to really accelerate. I think that's really a characteristics of of an AI based company, more deep tech company versus like a more regular software SaaS company where where that first period can be much quicker uh, because technologically it's less less challenging um so th- those are some core differences that, that that we are facing okay i've got a quick question for you Yvonne, on the pros and cons of being in singapore when you're starting a log tech company singapore you have access to decision makers from those large free pls and those end-user shippers, you probably also have access to investors. On the, on the flip side, it's a relatively small market. Uh, yep. It's uh, super competitive uh, with a lot of software and technology providers in Singapore. So you're facing a lot of competition. Your customers have plenty of choice and plenty of free trial, free pilots coming from those partners. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you see Singapore as a starting point for you to to kind of expand into the, uh, the region, yeah? I think especially if you look at Southeast Asia, I think starting in Singapore actually is, is quite good. First of all, because it is a logistics hub. Secondly, also because it conveys trust to customers. Um, like Singapore still has, and, and that, that's that's really great. It, it's it's a stable a stable country uh, with a with a um, uh, also from a legal perspective, you know, like it's 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 extremely fair, um, uh, and that that also conveys trust uh, to clients. So even if you would go to like neighboring countries like Malaysia or Indonesia, when they see like, oh, it's a Singaporean entity, uh, it actually, uh, it actually is, uh, is, a, is a benefit. So no, no cons, no negative side of being in Singapore. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Like um, uh, Singapore is, 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 is expensive to be in. So yeah. if you are, if you are, uh, in a position where you do not have funding or very little, um, then it it's might be a hard place to get started because your personal life and also hiring people yeah. is just a lot more expensive here. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Andy. Yeah. So if you look at it, uh, a lot of startups uh, all across the world, even Singapore. So how does it? the current landscape look like in Singapore? I know a lot of things have happened in this part of the world in the last mm-hmm. five to six years, but how do you look? How is the landscape? And I know with a startup community, uh, it's always uh, good to learn from each other, of course, uh, leaving yeah. aside whatever is my. So do you have a forum also where you discuss your problems, solutions, ideas with other uh, founders yeah. of other startups? Yeah, yeah, I've I've been extremely fortunate of having uh, having like a, being part of a very active community. I think EF uh, really helped with that. Um, we I have some great great friends who are who are building amazing companies that I literally chat to almost on a daily basis. Um, and that would also be yeah, really that would also be really an advice to, to everyone who is starting a business, like make sure like being a founder is lonely, but it doesn't need to be um, go and become part of a community or create one. We created our own one and, and it, it's probably the best thing you can do as a founder. 
Good. What What is your biggest challenge right now in your current uh, growth or development of a company? Um, you um, know, what 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 would really you know keep you awake and and give you you know headache from mm-hmm. time to time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in general, you know, the aggregate of challenges makes it challenging, right? As a founder, you are. Uh, you're constantly busy with things that you have never seen before. Um, and you will have to learn and you will have to deal with it. Uh, at some points, it, it could be sales. It could be things like, okay, why is the reply rate so low? Uh, what, 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 what is happening? Is it our product? Is it our messaging? What should I do? Uh, or it could be fundraising. Oh, like the market is uh, it's happened to be a little bit more challenging than a year ago. Um, you know, how should I deal with that? So there's constantly at every stage, there are things happening or hiring. Um, and what if you indeed have a colleague that is not performing? What, what, what do we do about it? Or, um, or what if certain specific skills? And those are also things that we are facing, especially computer vision engineers. It's quite of a niche, right? Um, it's not very easy to find and find also a good cultural fit etc uh, etc et so it's really the aggregate of it um on the other end yeah, as a founder you you have to get get comfortable with it or at least try to get comfortable with it so for me that means also focusing on on things outside of work um you know like life life is a little bit more than only only uh, only the company of course so i do my sports like four or five times per week uh, in general i don't compromise on sleep uh, really to to stay productive during the day and yeah. to stay to stay sharp and i think every person has to find his his or her kind of kind of like distractions or other factors in life to stay productive is having a co-founder help you to kind of balance those issues and problems that you say because i mean you know it, mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 great to have a co-founder a lot of people who don't have a co-founder would yeah. like to have one uh, because yeah. uh, so are you able to kind of spread those those issues and kind of balance you know you, you both of you can deal with it separately or together mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, yeah for me it's really a prerequisite to have a founder i know some some people like are best being a solo founder i think it's great to have somebody in the company who is who is at the same level who knows as much as you you know about the company because being involved all the way from the beginning and to share experiences with it and, and to help each other and to give different perspectives. So me and my co-founder, we often have different perspectives and that's great, right? So um, so th- th- that's that's how you how you get better. Shandan Sandeep, yeah. Feel yeah, free to. Yeah. As a founder, uh, what are the typical challenges? Which I know you grew up in Europe and then you relocated to Singapore again. Singapore is a country which is very, very open I, and there's absolutely yeah. no discrimination. But as a founder, did you face uh, some of these challenges? Uh, uh, typically, it happens with, of course, gender is not the part here, but did you face any different kind mm-hmm. of challenges that you are in a foreign world and you are starting something? Um, yes. So in general, in general, Singapore is a relatively easy place to live in and to move to. Um, so for me, it has been in general a very positive experience, and I'm very happy being here. But yeah, it, it there are some cultural differences, right, between between the Netherlands or Europe, uh, if I take it a little bit broader, and and Singapore. Uh, a, couple, a couple of things, um, uh, for example, 
like like one example like all the way at the start we we just spontaneously went uh and visited warehouses uh in the hopes that we could talk to talk to people who would work there that's definitely not appreciated here that doesn't happen uh in in the netherlands that that would be much easier right um other other things that happen so you you, you literally you literally crashed at the gate and 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 say yeah, hi and and then stuck <laughs> stuck at the security guard stuck at the security guard <laughs> and there was no way no way to get past it uh, we were literally told just look at the website um, okay. Okay. so that 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 wouldn't happen back home um another another thing um investors so uh, and i think probably society as a whole more risk averse than back home so uh, if you're a seed stage company you normally invest in in the people in the team and in the vision um so there is not much numbers to show for right okay you calculate your tam your market size etc cetera, etc cetera, but it's it's kind of very it has nothing to do directly with your business um so what what I've seen here is that all kind of projections and numbers are often being asked while those numbers can never be very accurate uh, yeah. if you're very honest and they, that that those some of the questions I got here I would never get when I talk to a European or an American uh, investor so yeah there are definitely definitely some 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 differences in in in, in culture that we have to we have to deal with Shantan mm. Yeah. yeah, as a startup uh, founder, uh, you know, there are certain things which uh, we do every day. Basis. Well, uh, you know, it's, what I used to do is like when I go to work, I said, what am I going to do tomorrow, today, something new. Yeah. So yeah. because yeah. after some time, you've done everything. So there is a scale up. And uh, suddenly you say, you know, what am I doing today? I don't know what to do because it's all allocated. So have you ever felt uh, some kind of a, hmm. you know, feeling that what am I going to do today? Oh no. <laughs> no. No. No no no. No. I think that would be great. Uh I I hope to get there. Uh because that means you have to you have made yourself redundant and the company is running running without you. Um but as a as a early stage startup I don't think that 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 should that should happen. Okay. Uh it probably means you have to take a step back and and think about where you want to go. Uh, and and decide on on okay how to get there and then you will for uh, yeah I will guarantee you will have a very large to do list and you actually have too little time uh, <laughs> to to finish the tasks yeah. Tandy, if I have to ask you again, uh, right now reflecting on your life, of course you uh, started with something, you did uh, something on the. uh something in netherlands then you started something on you so in the next 5 to 10 years uh, what do you want to do in fact where do you want to take your company i know uh, it's it's mm-hmm. not like a, you take a crystal ball and try to predict because with covid yeah. i think we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because we had the greatest lesson yeah. but still uh, for any company <laughs> yeah. it's always a going concern and you always have a vision so what is your vision yeah. for the company in the next 3 to 5 years where do you want to go yeah yeah So we're actually aiming to create a virtual warehouse manager. Um and how do we do that? So at this moment we are we are creating a technology that is able to recognize goods, right? Starting with boxes. It can recognize and count goods. We're measuring that. But where we're going to take it is apart from goods recognition and item recognition, also going towards 
person recognition, uh, seeing where robots are going, um, just get, to get a real-time view on what is happening within within your warehouse. And when you get a real-time view of what is happening in the warehouse, you can also measure what is going wrong, what is going right. Um, and then you can actually advise on how to improve your processes, how to how to um, have these different actors within a warehouse, it being robots in the future, uh, it being people, because people are, for most warehouses will still be a necessary factor or other equipment um, mm-hmm. uh, to optimize these flows. Okay, um, that's interesting. So, so, so you so you looking to have a camera on top of of a warehouse to actually yep. capture the entire activity of of everything. what's happening, everything, including everything. the movement of goods, the people, the robots yep. running around, and so you yep. can actually analyze everything. Yeah, yeah, we analyze it, we advise, and then the th- the the third step is that you also have to communicate it, right, mm. uh, so that the people on the floor actually know what they have to do. And that's what I mean with like this virtual warehouse manager. Um, that's the communication part. So that the the advice or the analysis will also be translated into into real action. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Final question before we wrap up. Actually, I have a few more questions, but there's another big <laughs> one. Uh, what, what would be the advice for that you will give to a new founder uh, when they launch uh, more specifically a supply chain or logistics startup? Mm-hmm. One big advice that um, you would give? I think I touched upon it a little bit, um, a question of Sandeep. Yeah, it's really make sure that you get, you get, uh, you create a community or become part of a community of founders. Um, it's, it, it has to be, to me, being the most valuable uh, to learn from, to learn from others because there are so many challenges that you don't know how to solve. Um, or you have to figure out yourself. So it's you will be much quicker and much better if you learn from people who have done it, or at least if you can talk to people who are facing the exact same challenge at the exact same time. Um, that's yeah. That would be my best advice. And that could be creating a community. It could also be becoming part of an accelerator. I mean, there are some other pros and cons there, but like, yeah, really make sure that you that you that you don't do it alone. Or it could be joining Chain Tech community that we're starting, trying to build as well. For example. For example. <laughs> okay. That's something yeah. we're also trying to, um, you know, bring up as well to all those founders focusing on supply chain technology. Okay. I've got a few quick questions for you. Quick, uh, I, call, I call it the quick fire questions. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you uh, very quickly, cats or dogs? Dogs. Window or aisle? Window, always. I like favorite. looking outside. <laughs> okay. Favorite action movie? Ooh, good one. Uh, oh, I cannot say. Like, uh, I, I, I saw Top Gun last weekend and I loved it. Then okay. I sometimes think, oh, wow, it would be cool to be a fighter jet pilot next to my job <laughs> as well. <laughs> What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, you have a good salmon, one in Singapore. Smoked salmon. Okay. All right. What's the most used app on your phone right now? The one that you use, you're constantly using all day long. Apart from WhatsApp, it must be Google Maps, I think. Google Map. Okay. What are you looking for? Uh, I just love to know where I am and what, what in, yeah, where I live. So one of the, the things I've done when I came to Singapore first is 
just looking at the map, find a nice sky bar like where I can see like the whole city, so so that I kind of know where I am. I really love to, yeah, love to get to know the country and the city. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Singapore Google is not it is not that big, so you you should probably be there. <laughs> it was it was not that hard. <laughs> okay. Exactly. What's your favorite tool to build your company right now? My favorite tool. Yeah, or, or software that you are using to build powerhouse AI. Talking to you, um, to you, to your team, to your customers. I don't know, maybe uh, yeah. an internal software. Yeah. So we use Slack. It has okay. uh, has been working very well for us. And personally, my notes are in OneNote. So for me, OneNote is also an, a tool I don't want to miss. OneNote. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you could describe the rest of your life in three to five words, what would it be? Hopefully adventurous. Yeah, adventurous. Like f- filled with, with new experiences. For me, life is about like having experiences, either at work or private. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Ivo, uh, for joining us today. Uh, it was a good interview. We uh, wish you all the best for Powerhouse AI. It looks like a very interesting solution. And uh, again, we know through our chain tech community, we'll also be happy to support you uh, in meeting the other founders uh, that you want to, to meet. I want to thank you also, Sandeep and uh, Shandan, for joining us today. Uh, thanks, guys, for supporting me with those questions. Uh, we could cover a lot more, but we need to wrap up. So thank you, Ivo, and uh, we'll see you, you again you. next time. Take care. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.